When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Week Den Update presented by the Grizz Den Podcast and the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Will Walker, and I'm joined every week by John Kraft. How's it going, John? Uh, it's not going great. I'm a little grumpy. Just came back uh, from a pretty, pretty dead environment. <laughs> Vex Forum uh, for the Grizzlies-Nets game. So, um, But other than that, going well. So, um, But yeah. Grumpy, grumpy about the Grizzlies, but besides that, doing arguably well. the most dead. Uh, the Grizzlies are twenty and thirty-eight. Yeah. They are thirtieth in offense, eighth in defense, twenty-fifth in net rating. I'm adding a new stat to the rundown, and it is the Tankathon stat. The Grizzlies are sixth from the bottom. Uh, so they, this was actually a really big loss to the to the Nets tonight for the tank standings. And with that, we start every podcast with who's up and who's down. I'll go first. My who's up is tank wins. We're at the point in the season, which Kraft is going to hate. And that is when we celebrate losses. But I want to caveat, I don't celebrate a loss to Brooklyn tonight with the way that we played. I celebrate developmental losses which was what we had against the Clippers the other night where we are competitive against good teams until the very end, and then youth presents itself and maybe veteran clutch performers on the other side hit shots that they're paid to hit, and we lose, but it's entertaining, especially for those who are in the home crowd. And so Mm -hmm. I will say that's my who's up. We were... uh, you know, typically we record on Sundays. We decided to push it to Monday just in case we got a good game uh, out of this Brooklyn uh, tonight, out of this Brooklyn matchup tonight, and we didn't. But uh, I would still say that tank wins are my who's up because that's what I'm looking for the rest of this season. Um, What's your who's up? You would have gotten such a different me if we'd recorded uh, before this game. So I would have been so so positive. But yeah. Uh, my who's up is um, actually, well, I'm going to save it for later, possibly with the MVP, but my who's up is defense. Um, uh, I think the fact that we're as not good as we are, the fact that we're 30th in offense, which means we give our defense no, like no, basically no breaks uh, as far as getting back after a made basket. And for us to be eighth, I think is pretty incredible. Uh, speaks to our organization, honestly, in our system. I think it does, although you wouldn't have known it tonight, but it does speak for Jaron Jackson Jr., I think, and Vince Williams as defensive players. I think it speaks to the coaching staff and the system we have. Uh, I think it's pretty incredible. I mean, if you look 
Um, you know, if you look at like the bottom 10 teams in like with all the four factors and the stats and stuff, it's pretty incredible that we're, we're like the only team with the top 10, anything. And the fact, even in the last two weeks that we have close to not a terrible, uh, you know, net rating, uh, just speaks to the fact that we're, we are playing, we are having a lot of developmental losses like the Clippers or even pulling games out against teams. We shouldn't like the Rockets and especially like the Bucks. I mean, the Rockets aren't great, but especially the Bucks game, which was fun. Um, so I, my what's up is, is defense. What's your who's down? <laughs> my, so I, I'm, it's kind of a tie. It's sort of the same though. My, my down is, is probably me. And the fact that the two games I went to were the te- two terrible games of the Pelicans game and the, and the game tonight against the Nets. Um, not, not great for me as a season ticket holder. Um, I will say though, my, it goes with my who's up because we had one of the most incredible defensive coordinators against the Pelicans holding them to four points for about 10 minutes of game time in the fourth quarter. And honestly, even after that, they scored eight points in the last two minutes. And that was Ingram hitting two fadeaway guarded um, jump shots and then free throws and garbage time. Um, so it's pretty incredible to watch a team go for 10 minutes and only get four points. One of them on a turnover by us fast break layup. So pretty incredible defense. Um, so that kind of goes, but honestly, so, I mean, just to go with the flow, because you, you did mention it, uh, my who's down also is anybody, uh, is all the people celebrating tonight's win in the tankathon. My who's down is sports talk tomorrow. Uh, I'll name them Jeff, Jeffrey Wright, uh, you know, anybody at 92.9 who's going to celebrate uh, the fact that we got better, we, we, that the Nets who are close to us, that that was a great loss because I would tell you that uh, by far, not even close, the most frustration and anger in my section, uh, you know, which is typically a very positive, like grit, like like some of these people come to every single Grizz home game and they love the Grizzlies. There's just a lot of frustration. The funniest was uh, we left, you know, there was two times tonight that there was less than two seconds on the shot clock and the net scored on baseline out of bounds plays. And the first one was with 1.8 and they scored. And then about three possessions later, they had another and it was 0.8 left. And this guy behind me screamed, Let's play some defense this time to which they immediately scored a wide open uh, layup on a back screen uh, with 0.8 left uh, to which the guy literally jumped up and was so mad. He almost fell forward a row and some people had to grab him. Um, But anyway, all that said is uh, for all those that are celebrating the tank, uh, I'll tell you that it's not fun for those who are in the seats. And I agree with you that actually like I've, I've really enjoyed games like the Clippers, you know, earlier this year, just games where we, we come close and lose. I can handle those. Today was a pretty lifeless, you know, and, I, and honestly, I don't think it was, uh, you know, I don't think there was any tanking going on tonight uh, by the team. I just think we didn't have it. We played poorly. Um, but all that said is, you know, I, I would have come in here and not been booty like this if we'd lost a three-point game to the Nets, and I would have probably been like silver lining. Um, but a game like that is just annoying. It's frustrating to just kind of come and basically be down big early. So anyway, there, there's uh, this is such a complaining podcast. So I'll get more positive later, I promise. Yeah, I mean, I will say I'm not watching tonight's game with glee, per se. But at the end of the day, right. there is the silver lining of you yes. do have the the ping pong balls do matter. Ultimately, while they have flattened the lottery odds at the top, 
or excuse me, the bottom, that, you know, every single thing that we do from now on this season is about next season and beyond. And I think that with the marginal space that you have between teams at the bottom, like we're looking now ahead, I'll skip to maybe what we are going to talk about at the end of the podcast, which is we have a back-to-back against Portland coming up this weekend that those following standings closely should pay attention to, pay, pay very close attention to, because Portland is the next team that we would basically be have the ability to pass if we lost enough and they won enough. And those two games, to me, really do dictate how we should treat the rest of this season. And if we should you know, hold back certain players from coming back, or if we should tell Jaron, don't worry about the awards, like don't get the games play that you need or whatever you have. But to me, that honestly, next week didn't update. I will have an answer on what I think we should do and how we should strategize moving forward. But other than that, we are so firmly in that sixth spot. We have a two-game or four-game buffer to Portland and a two-game buffer to Toronto. And that's a really hard line to cross, especially with a team like Toronto who doesn't have their pick. And so they have no incentive to try and lose. So it's same th- and same thing with the Nets that we play and the Nets. As well. They're given they have their uh, pick yeah. uh, going to Houston. And so yeah. And honestly, I mean, part of part of my frustration with tonight too was like I was really excited about potentially with if we had commit, been able to win tonight in that first Portland game, uh, my my four and six prediction for the more importantly might have actually come true as well, uh, which I was excited about. But, uh, I mean, honestly, you know, I mean, one of the things it is one silver linings too. I mean, tonight was frustrating. We'll play them again in a week. I'll be interested to see how we play against them as, as if it was just one of those games or not. But what's interesting, I mean, I will say, I mean, for the Nets, like they're healthy and like I was, I mean, part of watching them, I'm just like, why are they this, why is their record this bad? And obviously they fired their coach recently. Um, but it is really surprising because they do have a lot of good players. Um, I mean, it's a weird collection of guys but it's like they should not be where we are you know we're we're and they're not injured enough they're not struggling enough i don't know why uh they've had such a bad record this year so in that sense you know i mean it is like like they should finish above us because they they're better they're a better team than us right now with all our injuries my who's down is allotment of games we are running out of games for our two-way players which caused us to actually make a move this past week which I was devastated about. Uh, we waived Jacob Gilliard in order to clear space to sign Jordan Goodwin to a rest of season to a contract. The What I did learn recently is that two-way contracts are not just a 50-game maximum flat it per player. It actually has to do with where you are in the season, and it's a 60% number of, of the games. And so... For instance, we signed Jordan Goodwin with, uh, you know, I guess it was before this Brooklyn game to the two-way. And I, I believe that was with 25, 26 games left. And if you do the math, that means he really only has about 15 or 16 for us to uh, have him in the game. And actually, you know, it's and it's not just them playing. It actually means that they're active on the roster. And so uh, even if you don't play him, it still counts as a game that they dressed out for and it takes you off your total and i think that 
with the Scotty Pippen injury, which isn't looking good for the rest of the season for him, having a two-way spot now gone with that injury, and we've already signed him to next season as well, so it's not as if you're going to necessarily waive him. He's also shown some stuff. We're, we're starting to get to a point where we're running out of games, and we see Matthew Hurt, who we signed to a ten, another 10-day contract. I kind of have this feeling we're just going to be playing musical chairs with these guys, and it's going to be, uh, from a rotation perspective, I think every night you're going to look up and see uh, a new face that's sitting in street clothes without having an injury, and it's because of our strategy that we're having to deploy on these just games played to have enough guys. And I will say this, the injury report today probably could have fit in a tweet, but they still chose to go with the notes app, uh, but it was shorter than it's been in a, in a long time. So that was encouraging. I felt like we, besides our main guys, we didn't, I didn't feel as if the injuries were comical this time around, but overall that's, that's my who's down is the the math and data departments having to do way too much work this season. Yeah. I am sad about Conchar too, though. That too. <laughs> Yeah. Um, with that, let's talk about some of the news, which I went through briefly. Do you have any general thoughts on the Goodwin signing and and Gilliard getting waived and everything like that? Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, it, it was sad about Gilliard. I think he's been great for us. I wish there was, a you know, uh, a way for us, like as we had talked before the trade deadline, our hopes wa- were to get rid of a roster spot and be able to sign Gilliard to kind of just like a, hey, you you were great for us this year. Let's give you a contract for the rest of this year and actually make you a rostered guy. And I think the sadness is the way the trades worked. We got Lamar. We got Yuta. Uh, we just it, it was one of those situations where we didn't really have that free roster spot to do that. And and I think the Scotty and I don't know what we'd have done if Scotty Pippen Jr. hadn't hurt his back. Um, maybe maybe keep him around, keep him on the two way, just not act, make him active. Um, and try to keep him as long as possible on that two-way. But once Scottie Pippen went down, now even like Conchar being injured, it just if you handle the ball, apparently, you can't stay healthy for the Grizzlies. And so we kind of had to go with Jordan Goodwin, and he was an easy pick because we'd already had him in before. And so now he'll play. But but like we said, I think he probably wasn't even on the active roster tonight. We're going to have to watch sort of uh, how many, you know, because it's not just if you play. It's actually just being on the act, being active for the game, like being part of the 12, 13 person active roster. So, you know, um, but, you know, so just sad about Gilliard, um, you know, Jordan Goodwin. I just think he's a travel, you know, he's just he's someone who will play for us. He'll be helpful. I don't see anything else besides that. Um, you know, I, I think Gilliard's just been great energy for us, uh, played some great defense surprisingly with his size and then obviously had a, had a few games where he, we brought us back with some shots. And so anyway, sad, sad he won't be part of the team the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, as far as games played left for Jaron, he, I believe played his 53rd tonight, if I'm not mistaken, which means I'm sure they're looking at that 65 game mark for being eligible for awards, which means Jaron has to play in at least 12 more games out of the 24 left and it, and so I don't I think they're going to be judicious about where they use Jaron the rest of the way just based on the fact that he's played so much more than any other stars. I also think that with the Grizzlies being top 10 in defense on how bad we've overall performed from a record standpoint this season, he should get consideration for one of the all NBA teams 
of course, we would have him first team. I don't think he's going to get there. I don't think he has quite the raw statistics to draw. You, you, you mean all defense, right? Yeah. All defense? Yeah, all, yeah, that's right. All defensive, first or second team. Um, I don't think yeah. that he has the raw stats to necessarily get in the DPOY right. conversation. But uh, overall, I think that they are going to keep that in mind, hopefully get him another accolade. But you do have to hit that mark, which has been a pretty hotly debated item uh, across the league this season. You have guys like Tyrese Halliburton, Joel Embiid, potentially playing on injuries that they don't, that teams would not normally play them on. And that's affecting some things. I think you're seeing some positives, especially on the national TV games. I don't have as much worry, or you're not hearing about as much angst about these national TV lack of star appearances in them. So overall, I think the award had just about as much unintended or intended consequence, some might argue, as it was intended to at the start. I personally think it was a gimmick to get the TV deal signed and show a seriousness to the partners that the NBA takes their product uh, more seriously than it has been taken in the past. And I think that as soon as that deal is signed and announced, that next year you're going to see a rollback of this rule. That's just my prediction because I think there will be once the awards come out and if we get to the end and there's a few stars that for sure deserve to be on an All-NBA team or in contention for one of the major individual awards that there's going to be an uproar. And if the right guy gets left off because of the games, then... I think you're going to see a rollback, like I said. So, what is your opinion overall on the 65 game rule? I mean, I, I mean, sort of. I don't mind it. I mean, I, I get that the, the, the issue um, with playing guys that maybe are a little injured. Um, you know, I understand that, but at the same time, I mean, I think at some points the whole player empowerment thing, uh, the league needs to, has to take a few things back. Um, I don't, I, I agree with you though, that I do think it was, it's going to get rolled back if not next year, the, the year after that soon. Um, I also think it, in some ways it's a little bit interesting one, because really the only award that ultimately matters is the all NBA because of contracts. And so that's the one that really people watch. I mean, obviously guys want to win MVP. They want to win defense player of the year. Well, I guess MVP too. So I guess all those, those awards matter too, a little bit with contracts, but really all NBA is a big deal not being eligible for that affects some guys uh, and their ability to get uh, super maxes. So, so that is a big deal, but at the same time, I don't know. I feel like it's interesting that the NBA doesn't trust the media uh, to kind of keep people accountable because that would be my, you know, obviously I've had my own frustrations. I mean, I, you know, I like I, somebody who thinks uh, in some ways, you know, you shouldn't be an all NBA player if your team doesn't even make the play in. I mean, I obviously said that about Luca uh, last year, him getting first team all NBA was crazy to me. And, uh, and so in some ways, you know, I don't trust the media, but it's interesting because I think the media does take that. I mean, I think the media is going to take into account if somebody only plays 55 games opposed to somebody plays 70. So it's kind of like, that's the one issue that I have with it, but at the same time, I don't mind it. Um, and I actually think it's a, it's a, it's a big deal to make the TV partners happy, uh, especially during this time. So I didn't mind it. I thought we were starting to get a little too load management esque, um, with that, even though I'm, I think we're both people who understand that I think teams need to rest guys from time to time, uh, but not, not in a way that should jeopardize the 65 games. Yeah. And obviously this goes back to the argument of there are just too many games. And the reason 82 was decided upon was an old fashioned 
way of thinking and we just should be a little bit more open to adjusting that number down. Uh, I don't think any owners though are interested in taking short-term financial hits, even if it will be for the long-term benefit of the game. And I think everybody's pocketbooks at the end of the day, you've seen what scarcity has done for a league like the NFL when it comes to the finances. And so overall though, those are debates we can have in the off season. I'm impressed we've gotten this far without also trying to fix the all-star game, John. I, I propose that we just also, you know, pass on that topic because it's been beaten to death by every single. I, oh, that you know, that was my runner-up for for who's down. Yeah, listen, you would have <laughs> was well. Actually, I didn't know whether my who's down was going to be the All Star Game or my who's down was going to be podcasts talking about how to fix the All Star Game. Isn't it amazing uh, that it's only been a couple games after the All Star Game, and I just forgot that it even happened. So, I mean, all that. Yeah, it's it's all for content, though. We we get it. I get it. You got to have something and there's always ideas out there to make something better. I personally no. don't think it's that important to spend too much time on it. So we're not going no. to. No. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I do uh, to now go against you, but no, I just, I hate that, that it's kind of the first thing after football season people see, because I think it, it's sometimes it kind of plays into, I think lazy stereotypes of the NBA. And that's a little sad to me, but besides that, I mean, it's uh, people make way too big of a deal about it reasons to watch the rest of the way because obviously we're coming off a tough tough game here um you know and i've we've also had our tanking debate here mild debate but overall i would say to me you still have gg jackson and vince williams as your wings of the future we assume so that's a really fun storyline to me uh brandon clark's potential cameo at the end of the season will provide a boost. Like that's going to be a, an appointment viewing when we see BC come back and play. I'm sure they will be very slow in terms of the minutes that he's going to be asked to play at first. And um, I'm really excited to see those, you know, Instagram videos actually translate to on court production. Uh, it sounded like they have every intention of bringing him back. So that'll be great. For BC, uh, another thing is, of course, our our favorite two players, Zaire Williams and Jake Laravia. Just absolute prove it time for both of them. I think it's. I, I have not been impressed by either. Obviously, Zaire had his twenty seven point game, and that's going to get way overblown. I hope that a bunch of NBA front offices watch that and think that's you know his consistent baseline. I know they know it's not, but I hope they think that it could be, which means that we won't extend him or can extend and maybe trade. I, I'm sure there's a rule though around that that I'm not thinking about. Overall, I I just don't. I'm out on both personally, but the trade value question is still there. It doesn't like they, they still have to figure out what to do with both of them, given that they weren't traded at the deadline. Santi, you could throw in there as well. I think his spot, in my opinion, is a little bit more solidified. If anything, his poor play might translate to more team benefit on his potential extension this summer. I also am not opposed to... I mean, I am opposed to keeping Zaire on the roster after this offseason. But for, yeah. for Santi, I personally am not opposed to him having a prove-it year. Like, why not go out there and see if you can earn a restricted free agent offer and the Grizzlies can basically say, we're both rolling the dice. Let's see how you play. Like, I'm a, I'm totally cool with that. I still think he should be on the team. 
he's not quite in that area of needing to show he's something. He's been rebounding a little better. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think he's he's been really better. The the lineups with him and Jaron have not been terrible. Um, you know, I mean, in some ways, it's kind of like he's been a fun experiment to figure out. That's why I'm hoping Clark comes back and we get some games with him and Jaron because I think that is the can Jaron kind of be a five. Um, I mean, it's very obvious uh, we have to put rebounders next to him. Santi has been rebounding some. He's still not where you want him to be, but he does have some double-digit rebound games in there the last few games. Um, I will say that I'm, you know, I'm of the Grizz Den, of the whole gang. I'm the most, I'm the least out on Jake LaRavia. I, I'm not in on him, but I am more, hey, he just hadn't played a lot. And so, and he's younger. And so, you know, I do want to see some more minutes uh, with him before I totally make, for stand, where it's like, I will be visible, like, I will be angry if Zaire is on in a Grizzlies uniform beginning next year, because I just, I don't, I won't understand it. Uh, with Laravia, you know, because part of, part of it is next year, Laravia makes a way, lot, way less money than Zaire. Um, and so I'm still, I, I will say that in the two games he's played, I've liked his activity. I think he's been uh, pretty good defensively. He does stay in front of people, I think, pretty well. He's not amazing. Um, obviously, offense is not, has not been there really. He, you know, one for eight in the last game, did hit a couple of shots uh, this game, but still not really finishing well, not showing flashes. And obviously part of it is he has to be somebody who scores for us. Um, because I think we, we can find out plenty of other people who play decent defense and can do other things well. And so, so, but I'm not as out as I am with Sayer. Um, I'm still a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm still, it's kind of like, I, I just want a few more, few more minutes but obviously if we can trade him trade him i'm not like wanting to keep him or anything i'm just as not as like I, i'm okay if we bring laravia back next year i think zaire it's done we we need to move on from zaire i i wish laravia showed a little bit more of a motor that's my biggest critique of him obviously yeah. he can shoot and i agree there the sample size isn't quite there to make a, a final final declaration if i am if i am zach Kleiman, i still think there's more sample that i want to see if I'm me, I'm completely out just because I I I know my opinion of him already as just a, a you know a layman so to speak. But overall, the I personally would rather reserve his roster spot for another swing in the late second round where we have cost protection over the course of the next few years when our team's going to be really expensive. And worst case scenario, it doesn't pan out. You took a swing, and it's not like the fifteenth guy should be playing anyway. And so, to me, I've I almost know what Laravia is too much in that sense because his upside is, yeah, he can be a knockdown shooter and maybe provide you some Luke Kennard insurance if Kennard ends up not being affordable. But overall, I would rather have somebody who's running defenders around screens at least and is providing more than just like standing in the corner. And maybe every once in a while making a play and I get the size on defense. Like that's what was appealing about Jake Laravia in the first place. I totally get the swing from the Grizzlies. Overall though, I just would rather them move in a different direction and have a clean slate from that, from that 2022 uh, draft in the first round at least. And so that's, that's where I stand. I think it's fair. Both sides, like I get your side. Yeah. And let's see how the rest well, of the I mean, season plays I mean, out. Obviously, like honestly, right now, I mean, I, like if you say same money, 
would you rather have Lamar Stevens or Jake Laravia? I'd say I would rather have Lamar right. Stevens. Right, exactly. Even though, you know, I'm, I'm also like, hold the horses. Like, he, he he's immediately become the new he, – he's taken over the Kenny Lofton Jr. role of, like, the guy end of the bench that Grizzlies fans love because they – you know, for, for Kenny Lofton, it was other thing. You know, it was, like, the fun moves, offense. You know, but for him, it's he comes in, he plays hard. He, he grabs some rebounds. He defends pretty well. Um, you know, again, he's one of those guys I just don't know because – that's something that's going to be harder to understand, but, um, but yeah, for sure. I, so I agree with you there. I'm just not like, it's just one of those, whereas like Zaire making, having somebody as bad as Zaire making that much money, which, you know, that much, but $6 million on, on our capped roster is just really bad, you know? And, and, and it's sad because I think we might have to give up some assets just to get off of him. Uh, but I just think we, we need to do that and I'm getting, you know, and so we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, any, empty the notebook type stuff before we talk about the games upcoming? Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, I mentioned Lamar. I think he's been nice. Um, you know, I think Yuda, it's, it's definitely been one of those. I'm going to be interested to see if he does pick up the option. Um, because I'm still kind of like, that's still, it's just, it's been a surprising that the Grizzlies would take on a guy with, you know, with, with basically an option to come back next year. That's sort of interesting to me. I mean, it's very obvious with the rotations, that you does not, we're not trying, you know, he's too, he's past development time. Um, so, I mean, that's still curious to me. Uh, what, what, what's going on there, what the Grizzlies were thinking there. I mean, was it, so, you know, that's, that's interesting to me as far as like for, you know, wanting to get off Roddy uh, for, you know, and keep bringing back Yuda. So that's sort of interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, but besides that, not really. Uh, I mean, last night kind of put a weird taste in my mouth. The other thing, I guess the the good thing to talk about just Gigi, you know, tonight was all the detractors. The reason he went in the second round, uh, he looked like South Carolina Gigi uh, tonight, uh, just kind of being a black hole, taking uh, taking some bad shots, rushing some things, uh, just being a total uh, just (laughs) basically being a space cadet on defense two or three times. I mean, I think. I think at least one of those, you know, uh, out of bounds plays that I was talking about earlier with very little time on the shot clock was because of him, you know, in a good way, he got taken out a couple times because of that immediately, you know, Jenkins grabbed him. They talked for a while on the sidelines before going to the bench. So it is teaching moments. I think it'll be just interesting to watch with Gigi, um, you know, does he have more of those games or is that more of an aberration? Because I think that's sort of you're, you're sitting there thinking, uh, with him. I mean, I, I still very high on him, very encouraged by him. He's 19. Uh, but just kind of seeing what that is, you know, it's interesting because in this game, like I think he felt the, oh, I've been kind of a black hole taking shots too much. Coaches are on to me. And then he got a steal and had basically a wide open layup and tried to throw um, a lob to Zaire that was off. And that was kind of the ultimate grown moment in the stadium, uh, you know, but it was an interesting, but just just a very a very young a rookie game uh, tonight from GG. So I'll be interested to see if that continues because obviously he was awesome right before the All Star break. So so it'll be interesting. He's kind of had sort of a meh game uh, against the Clippers, and then this game oh, was was probably his worst game he's had as a Grizzly. So it'd be it'd just be interesting to see what he looks like Wednesday, what he looks like uh, against the two games in Portland. Yeah, I mean maturity in the NBA means that you perform consistently. And when you look at rookie performances, 
what we typically see is the inconsistency. You want to see flashes. You'll see flashes because these are the up-and-coming best players out of their age group. But overall, that's totally why I think he got a contract at the level that he got rather than it being higher is because he knew, the Grizzlies knew, that there was just still a lot of work to be done. And so I'm with you. I'm, I was not, I'm, I'm not quite as alarmed when I see a one for 11 night from Gigi, just because we know like he's got the profile to be somebody that can fit alongside our stars. And he doesn't have to be that. That's the best part is it's more of a a luxury when he does bring it. Uh, Vince is the, the one that I wonder if this fatigue, I mean, obviously there's only been a couple games after all-star break, but he did have to go to Indianapolis. He probably did had some disruption there. And I've just noticed that, I mean, he, he still gets the stats, but, and nobody played well against Brooklyn overall though. I, I'm, I'm watching Vince to see if, if just fatigue is going to catch up to him because he's having to literally do everything. So, yeah, I mean him, him and Jaron missed several layups. Um, Gigi did too, but I think Gigi's was more, they weren't as in control. And I think he probably got fouled a little bit. Didn't get the call cause he's a rookie. Uh, but Jaron and Gigi, I mean, Jaron and Vince both, Missed just a lot of layups tonight, and and that to me is usually a fatigue thing. Uh, both of them, honestly, also surprisingly, after those kind of misses, like kind of pouted a little, like didn't get back in their normal way that I think Jaron and Vince like to get back because obviously their preferred side of the court is defense. I think for both of them, and uh, so that was you know that was a little weird to see, and I do think that's fatigue, that's frustration, uh, that's maybe feeling the post All Star effects. Um, yeah, and both of them, too, unnaturally are having to be initiators. In Vince's case, he's a lead ball handler. In Jaron's case, he's getting it on the wing and is being asked to start whatever action they're running, and that's just not his natural position. That's not where he's going to be in the future, and so I think that's part of it, too. It's just like when you're having to play not in your wheelhouse for for that many possessions, it can, especially when you're losing, it can just get old. So I totally get it. Yeah, and that's and, and and the other thing is just you know I, it's hard with Kennard because Kennard, you know, uh, we have to make a decision on him, um, and obviously it, there's just so much in play where our draft pick is, who wants him, what we can get back for him, is he willing to like accept you know less money and and us extend him, uh, but and it's it's hard because obviously he is not, he's meant to be a guy who spaces the floor for you and hits wide open jumpers. Uh, when your stars pass it to him because they're getting double teams. Uh, but it has just been, it's just, I, I would like to see a little more from Kennard, honestly. And it's been a little lackluster um, from him. Uh, I feel like he's not, you know, there's just, and it's one, but it's one of those things where it's like, it's hard, but if, to make the kind of money that he might be making or for us to commit to him long-term, there is a little bit of, of anxiety from me that he's just not kind of stepping up a little bit more at the same time. Like you said, we're asking him to do some things he's not comfortable with. So, so we'll see about that, but that, that is something to monitor as well. As far as things, you know, things to watch for the rest of the year, I think I would like to see some good canard games, um, you know, especially if we do have a cameo from Brandon, from from Bain, even, you know, the talk that Bain might come back for a, lo- a little bit too. I'd like to see Kennard pop a little bit more um, than than he has so far. Um, the Grizzlies this week we have a game in Minnesota against the Timberwolves on Wednesday. 
it used to be uh, an ESPN game and, of course, got flexed out a long time ago. So we're playing at 7 p.m. on Old Bally Sports. And then we have what I referenced earlier, the two most important games for those who are paying attention to tanking. And that is a back-to-back at home against the Portland Trailblazers. Really, when you look ahead to the schedule, besides a couple games against Oklahoma City, home and away, from now until you know mid-March, it is a murderer's row of really uh, bad opponents. And so this is going to be a this is going to be a testing time for the Grizzlies. Do you play down to your competition? Do you uh, strategically, you know, see where your back-to-backs are and maybe rest some guys, not bring back some guys? It's going to be a lot of strategy. And at the, I think mid-March, and I'm looking, I'm circling March 16th because then we go on a four-game road trip, three of those games against the Kings, Warriors, and Nuggets. Like that's, at that point, your your fate is probably sealed wherever you are. And then you get into the home stretch from at the end of March into April. And so you should definitely watch these games, though, because it there's a lot at stake, weirdly enough. And uh, overall, even if it's not the stakes that we wanted at the beginning of the season, that uh, we've got some some interest in those games coming up. Kraft, what do you think about the schedule? Um, I mean, I mean, I'll go ahead and say I want us to go two and zero against Portland, and I'll be mad if we don't. <laughs> yes, craft. Um, yes. <laughs> so, like, I, I in my mind, I don't think they're catchable anyway. I, like, they're they're really bad, um, and they're just they're just so bad. I, I mean, I watched them on League Pass um, just to like see some different thing. You know, they have Scoot trying to just you know seeing some stuff, and they're really bad. And so I will be annoyed. I mean, I, I get I will say that there's probably a likelihood uh, I would I would be very interested. It would be very surprising to me if Jaron Jackson Jr. played both those games uh, on a back to back situation. But so we'll see. Um, but I do think uh, as a season ticket holder, as a fan, as an anti tanker, uh, I think it'll be disgraceful if we go two to that terrible team. So I'm hoping we at least split it. Um, and if we can win one then I will deal with us resting a bunch of guys um, on the second game of back-to-back. Uh, again, because Vince and Jaron have been doing a lot for us. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's one of those things where I'm just like, it'll take care of itself, and then we'll get to the end of the season. And then I can be like, okay, good. We, we have like the fifth or the sixth most ping-pong balls. But I do think the four-game gap is going to be hard to make up uh, with the Blazers as far as the reverse you know, to, that I actually have to talk about the tank tankathon standings, the reverse standings. But I just think it's, they're really bad. And like you said, I think we, we play a lot of games where they're winnable for us or, you know, like they're, they're games where we could win or have, have very good chances for development losses, I guess. So I don't know. I would I would be sad if we go 0-2 against Portland um, because I just think that that could be a recipe for a pretty depressing rest of the season as far as, uh, FedEx forum, just energy. <laughs> so I'm, a, I would, so for me, it would be win Friday. And then if you want to rest guys and, uh, and not necessarily win Saturday, I'm okay with that. But well, all that said, I, I want us to go to it. It does feel dirty. So I'm not expecting much from the Minnesota game. Uh, you know, we, honestly, we could play way better and lose like by 25 points, like we did tonight against the Minnesota team that is playing for everything right now because of how close it is up top, trying to get the one seed. 
And uh, and also, I just think you know they love beating us because we be, you know won the series against them. So anyway, so I'll, I'll continue my anti-tanking stance uh, for now. Uh, there'll be, there'll come a time in the end of the season when you know with a few games left where I might be cool with with us just playing a lot of Memphis Hustle players. But for now, um, I want to still kind of trying to win games. It does feel dirty to root against the Grizzlies with it only being you know, game 60 by the time we get to the Portland, Portland back to back. So, um, I'm with you. I'm with you. Ultimately, it's going to be, I can't, I can't not cheer for the team, uh, overall, but I will say in the back of my head, if we lose both of those and go, Oh, and three this week, Ooh, baby, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough out there for the anti tankers because you're going to start to hear a bunch of, bunch of support for let's go chase. Let's go chase the bottom five. So, We'll just watch out for that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it is if uh, it is going to be hard. It, it's just uh, the way we play, the way we're coached. I just don't see us lose, like having a what three game worse record than the Trailblazers the rest of the way. But we'll see, we'll see. So I just to me that it's like to lose those two games. I think it's like we're not going to catch them, and it's going to depress the fan base um, because I did feel this was the first game tonight where it felt like a lot of season ticket holders just decide not to come. Uh, it was, it was poor energy um, in the stadium. Um, I, I still say, you know, better than it was two, four years ago. I mean, these are the kind of nights, even when we were good, we're used to probably have Monday night against a bad team. Not that many people. Um, so I'm still like encouraged that even then it's still a decent crowd, but uh, you know, it's, it's going to be sad the rest of the way, except for like the two Lakers games. But besides that, it's going to be sad the rest of the way if we, if we, if we go out and two against the Blazers. So we'll see. Low key, very excited for March 16th against the Thunder. I just, I just want to see that team in person. They've been sort of a hate watch the last couple of years for us. And, and that's good. And, and I'm definitely, if people are excited about us losing to them, I'm going to be annoyed. I agree. I completely <laughs> agree with you on that. I, I'm glad we, we need to beat them. I'm glad we got to this point at the end of the podcast. We that, this is what we needed, um, guys. This has been fun. It's been it's been a minute since we recorded, and uh, we'll have a Q3 report that we'll owe you with the full crew. Uh, of course, we'll yeah. still be following day in day out everything the team's doing, and uh, looking forward to a very very important summer for for this team. I am I, I can't I can't tell you how optimistic I am. Uh, how optimistic I am for the next two years. And so we're going to look back in October and these dog days of February are going to be long behind us because we'll, we'll have a renewed energy. And I, I do firmly believe that. Oh. So looking ahead uh, to great things. Thanks for joining us as always for John. Oh, I'm Will. We got, we got MVP. We got, MVP. golly, I keep forgetting the MVP. John, you, well, it's hard, hard not to want. To that's what that I'm MVP. saying. John, who you got? I got, uh, so I'm going to go with Taylor Jenkins. Um, it's a little bit of what I thought about for who's up. Uh, I really just don't think any of our players deserve who's up. I mean, uh, MVP, uh, you know, I, I think like Jaron and Gigi and, and Vince in a sense, we're all really in the competition going into all-star break, but all of them, none of them have had great games actually coming out of the all-star break. I think we were competitive against Cl the Clippers, uh, but they've all kind of been eh. Uh, honestly. Um, and I think Jaron played one of his worst games of the year tonight. So did Gigi. So it's hard to give them MVP. And Vince has just kind of 
not been his normal self. So I'm going to give it to Taylor Jenkins. The fact that he still has the team playing hard, that, uh, that we're eighth ranked eighth defense, which is just still incredible to me with the talent that we have uh, on the floor night in night out and all the different combos and lineups for us to still be a, an eighth, you know, eighth best defensive team is just crazy to me. And even tonight, like he, he could have, you know, he, if he was like me, I would have come out and been screaming annoyed, but he just was like, you know, it's one of those games uh, you're going to have three or four of them this in a year where you just don't have it. And I think he, he was level-headed, and I expect we'll come out and probably have a pretty good game against Minnesota and probably still lose because Minnesota's better than us. But uh, So I give my MVP to Taylor Jenkins. Couldn't have said it better. I also am giving mine to Taylor Jenkins. I echo your award. He deserves it. And uh, no. I do not deserve it for continuously forgetting that that's what we have at the end of each podcast <laughs> it's hard when there's no i mean when there's not some guy you want to really celebrate um it's hard to remember the old mvp 100 agree well now we can officially end it uh for john i'm will thank you guys for joining us and uh we will we will talk to you very soon